Welcome to Sub, the Scope Unmuzzled podcast, episode 9. This time around, we have two new guests and one recurring guest, uh, Missing No. The new guests are uh, Mirkside and Not Narp. As usual, we'll handle some introduction topics of the guests themselves, and we'll also be talking about rhythm games, public speaking, Asian culture and perseverance, AI's natural progression towards racism, chaos and manipulation, bullying, and lastly, loyalty programs. If any of these topics sound interesting to you, then please stick around as we tune in to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This time around, we have two new guests. Uh, we have Mirakside and we have Nadnarp, who are uh, new to the podcast. We have one recurring guest, uh, which is missing. And we already know a bit about him in episode six, if I recall. Or seven. I think it was seven. I fuck, I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't matter. So. I, I don't remember. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, so we are going to start by introducing our guests, starting from uh, right to left, which is Mirax. Could you please introduce yourself? I'm Mark Hine. Don't do much. Big rhythm gamer of mostly a semi-obscure rhythm game that most people have not heard about. Being named Sandvoltex. And I am obsessed with bunnies and the color purple. Well, where are you from? What is your age? What do you do for occupation? Are you still in school? Those kind of basic questions. Where I'm from? The worst parts of Canada, Quebec. I hate it. Horrible. Um, 22, soon to be 23, in two months and four days. Uh, occupation, I work at a factory making seals, like for fresh peanut butter. Like you open a new fresh peanut butter, there's a seal on it. We make those um, for various company and items. Well, that's good. I think that's a good little small intro. Uh, then the same question is for you, uh, not NARP. If you could please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, my name is Nadnarb. Um, you probably never heard of me. That's okay. Um, I'm just your average VR chat play, uh, user. Um, I don't always do VR chat. I like playing card games as well as like Need for Speed and uh, Seto Corsa. That's usually what I do in my free time, anyways. But um, yeah, if you want to get to know me, feel free to send a DM. Um, <laughs> maybe but I, I would i would rather i uh you know at least get to get to know you first whether it be through uh one of my friends here i don't one of the three people here that i know or you message me <laughs> through, message me in like a random discord group uh general chat if you want to all right well, we're not going to plug our um, our socials in this one. At least I don't think we are. <laughs> this is not a, a social plugging thing. We're not doing here. We're not here all for the fame. Uh, and then maybe just for the people that have uh, not listened to the previous podcast, Missing, do a short introduction of yourself. Well, hello. I'm Missing, though. Uh, I do computer stuff. I talk about computer stuff. I spend a lot of my time uh, talking about computer stuff and also doing computer stuff. And being behind and a computer? I'm not doing that. I also sometimes play VR chat. Also behind a computer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, when I'm not 
doing exclusively computer stuff. I also play a few rhythm games and really just whatever interests me, uh, which is mostly rhythm games. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, that seems to be a common interest, I think, among everyone here is rhythm games. I'm not sure about you, uh, Nod. Would you would you count Metal Hellsinger as a rhythm game? Uh, I'd say if that's your only rhythm game, it would be uh, pretty, not, pretty not much quiet. not Friday Night Funkin'. By the way, <laughs> well, I guess not then. So, well, we have most people here that like uh, rhythm it games. Could count. It's just not a traditional rhythm game. Yeah, I think like a traditional one would be uh, like Osu or. Uh, like well, there's a lot of like games also on phones now to do uh, rhythm games. So with that, I would like to ask you guys the question, which is um, how we met. And for Mirax, I know. For Nod, I probably know. But I'd like to hear your guys' uh, take on this. How did you guys meet uh, me? And then maybe how we, did you meet the other people here? on the couch so how i met scope uh scope is a hope i met him being a friend of one of the first person i've friended in vr chat being named ako i uh, i don't know if they've appeared on here yet no. or if they will they will they no? will eventually okay. yeah they will okay um because they also like the same vocaloid that i do and then after that i hang out i hung out with that person a lot and met scope through that and also some other people and then true me who hang out then with Scope over time, I have met Missing. And then through hang out with Missing over time, we've met Nod. I think that answers pretty well. So Nod, what about you? How do you know me and how do you know the rest of the group? Honestly, you're probably not going to remember this at all. But I ran into you and just moved in. That was like the first world I ever like spotted you in. What the Um, fuck? I think we were like, that's like really yeah, that far was like so away. Long ago. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I was with uh, a person called like Fire the Ace. Uh, if you if you remember him, it's okay if you don't. No, but me and him kind of like interacted with you, and you friended me, but we actually like never interacted with each other. Like almost never, um, and then I don't remember what world it was, but I remember joining on you at one point, and just just to stop by and say hi. That's it. I was in like a little con or whatever. Um, I think I ran into missing there as well. He kind of just like rolled up in front of me and just like had patted me or just like cool with it. I was like, oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> and then we both wait, just like friended each other. Wait, so you met me before you met Missing? Because I thought it was the other way around. Yes. I thought I met you through Missing. What the nope. F- I met you. I met Missing through you. Damn. Well, that, that's a really long time. Then, because if not, I don't yeah. remember being in that world for like a year and a half, two years. Like... Yeah, that's how long it was. That's how long ago it was. I think you were in the Yukon. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, that's re- that was really old. Yeah, yeah. No, I used to use yeah. a. Um, I think it was a Miku avatar first, and then, well, mostly Ganyu afterwards. But that didn't came out in like 20, 
20, mid 2020 or something. So yeah, that has been really fucking way back. Ah, damn, dude. Yeah. And now you're on the and podcast. Through missing, I met Myra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, so missing, what about you? How do you, well, I, you know, <laughs> we've talked about how you met me. How do you meet these other two? Well, for those who haven't listened to the other episode, it was in a public near. I was, oh, geez, like years ago. Um, Miro, I met shortly after I met you because I would, um, when I met you in that in that near world, then I was like, oh, this guy's cool. I should probably hang out with this group more. And then that's how I met Miro, uh, who started talking about Yukari. And I'm like, hey, I like Yukari too. <laughs> so we started talking after that. And him, well, you heard how, how I met him. Um, funny enough, though, you, you went radio silent for a couple of years. I don't know. Off, <laughs> done something. And we ran into each other again by chance uh, very recently. And have started hanging out a lot more since then. Which, yeah, so I do. If you were my friend that early on, then and I don't remember you that well, then you probably didn't talk that much. So yeah, is there something that changed in like the last year, year two, that made you, you know, be more communicative, actually start talking with people? Um, honestly, I just got older. That's about it, really. <laughs> I just got older and Became going to school a lot kind of just like changed that. <laughs> Not a boomer, but <laughs> yeah, I just it, I, that that's really it. Just but, talking to people on the internet and just like uh, going through my experiences on VR chat and just you know meeting people, just talking to people, having friends that I can actually just like you know trust. That kind of just like helped me to kind of push myself out of my shell a bit more. Mm-hmm. But is that something that you learned through school? So getting more out of your show or communicating, or is that just something you picked up on through VR chat and actually got tried communicating in that and you gained some experience and then used that in the real world as well? Uh it would have yeah, the VR chat option would have to be it. I uh I outside outside of VR I'm like I'm like really, really shy and like very antisocial. I mean, I'm the same way here, but in here, it's like easy to kind of just like branch out towards people since people in here are actually easier to talk to. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do you think it is? Is it just social consequences that you're missing out on? So if, if you are um, very quiet, if someone doesn't like you, if it's in VR chat, you know, they can just block you or you can block them in real life, especially if you're in school and you get to see those people every day. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to avoid those people. Yeah, that, that that's really awkward when, you know, they're, they're actually face-to-face with you and you can't just, like, you know, hover over them and just click block and just watch them disappear from real life forever. <laughs> uh, if only. Well, actually, what's your experience regarding this, uh, Mirox? Like, were you always a mm, very... What? Were you always a talkative person? Or did you start out more shy or not as talkative and then VRChat changed that for better or worse? Well, it depends how far go we oh, we go. Because if we go very far, when I was a kid, I was too talkative, where people would uh, be annoyed at me how much I talk. 
And then life events happened where I become extremely less talkative and interactive to people. And at some point I started VR chat and I guess it just smoothly became more and more talkative. I still have issues with how talkative I am and uh, my interactions with people, but it is less worse than it was before. Uh, so yeah, I would say VR chat has helped and I wasn't as talkative as I am right now. I, if, you, if you'd go like a good one or two years back, I would 100% be much more anxious and more having issues talking as I am right now. All right. So that means it's actually working out for the better. And I feel like I'm, I'm in a similar mm-hmm. boat. I've talked about this before in like the previous podcast where I've gained a lot of experience or at least a lot of um, uh, trust in myself to know like, oh, I can actually communicate with people. I, you know, I can just go up to someone, ask a question, ask them to do something, do a favor or whatever. Something that I wouldn't really think I would be doing um, before, like before I started using VRChat. It just gave me the little push in the back, like to get out of my comfort zone, to actually try and talk to people and see like, no, it's actually not that difficult. Um, what about you, uh, Missing? How did you experience this? Well, I started off playing VR chat, mostly mute. I would like go up and only really talk to somebody if I've hung around them a lot. Uh, as as I started to play, as I started to talk to more people, I, I kind of realized, you know, I I can just go say anything to anyone because if they don't, care then they'll just leave the instance or i'll leave and that's that you know so i just started to open up to more people and and those kinds of like uh that that like practice with talking to people carried over in real life and i started uh opening up to people in real life too a lot more yeah i would have thought that a game that's actually evolved around you know socializing makes people a bit more social or at least gives them more experience what a coincidence (laughs) All right. Well, I think um, that's a good way to to end up that topic. I do have a question, though, for uh, the new guests, which is your name. So we have Miroxide and we have Nod Narp, and then the o, the o is a zero. Can you guys explain how you got your username, starting with Mirox? Oh, boy. Um, it started like... Quite a, f- quite a few years back when I was still playing Minecraft as my uh, major game. Uh, and I didn't really have a username for myself. It was mostly like going close to my actual real name and just modify it a bit. And at some point I met some people, made friends with them. And at some point, as a like little funny thing, we decided, what if we just mix all your username into one? And it ended up with something like Myrexide Bomb 13k, if I remember right. Um, I just got comprised of my own username, which I will not say due to my personal name being somewhat related to it. Someone else being uh, named Senpai Hero, uh, where the hero uh, stuck. Another one named, someone else being named Deoxide, where the oxide um, stayed. And the 13k came from someone being named Fl- Flying Taco 13k. I do not remember for the bomb part. I do not remember the username of that person at all. And at some point, I just took that whole thing as my username for a while. And I was like, what if I just shorten it to Myrexide? And I was like, oh, oh, I like that. And it just kind of stuck and just became my identity online. Well, that's interesting. I actually didn't know this specific origin because um, some people just have mm-hmm. a simple name. You have, I think, mul- yeah, so multiple names that just mm-hmm. combined together made up your name. Although I guess for yep. 
me missing, well, you could say the numbers is a thing, but it's mostly because it was taken because it's not unique enough. Um, well, that might actually also explain a bit your name, uh, not Narb, or maybe the, maybe the zero, but I'm not sure. How did you came up with your name? Honestly, I kind of just like walked in with the with the intention of like not really caring. Um, I just like put Nodnarb, which is technically the reverse of my actual real first name. Yet, uh. you'd be surprised how many people still do not get it or get extremely confused by it. So I just kept it that way because it's funny, like listening to people try to pronounce my name or just like not get it in general. And it's like how. <laughs> it did take me a long while to realize that was what your username was supposed to be. <laughs> I just noticed that. I feel like I'm the only one who got it on, the, on the first. Like <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I'm like, ah, oh, it's just that backwards. Okay. <laughs> so that explains your guy's name. Then I would like to know uh, what you guys are specifically known for. So what is like your special trait? If you would ask your friend, your mom, your dad, I don't know, your sister, what am I known for? Like a, if you could describe it in like a one sentence and then describe <coughs> how that came to be. Uh, so starting with Mirox, is there something that you are known for like among your friends, your communities? Um, if people would describe you in like a word or a sentence, what would that be and why? Or why do you think you got that? certain trait or name in terms of IRL my family nothing really comes up that I'm specifically known for exactly except being the one in the back always because I always like parties just sit in the back um but if we're talking online it depends which type of group of people but most of my viewer chat friend like kind of knows me as like the purple bunny um mostly that's that'd be pretty much it i'm not that much known for many things at least not that i'm aware of might be wrong and people like associate me with certain stuff and know me more as certain ways that i've never been told or just never caught on all right and what about you nod um, I'm not really, I haven't really been mentioned as anything besides from like my parents and I guess a few like IRL friends as like the man of few words, because I typically don't really talk much. I'm like mostly quiet <laughs> unless you like actually like walk up to me and just like, you know, say something to me or just like talk to me. I, <laughs> it's not like I don't care. So don't, don't get it. Don't get it wrong. Don't worry. Uh, I know, like, maybe my, my tone or anything might, like, sound wrong, but don't worry. I, I just, I, I'm listening. I, I just, you know, sometimes I, I can't I can't exactly, like, you know, think of how to respond all the time. So I just give a, a simple, hmm, okay, hmm, okay, all right, sure. And what's not? <laughs> yeah, there are cases, for example, um, because I get what you mean where someone says something or reacts a certain way and then the only response that you come up with is like okay or like mm-hmm and then it doesn't really feel merited to just actually make that remark it doesn't really add anything to the conversation so then I guess you just leave it out in your case yeah don't get me wrong some people might get, take that the wrong way because you know there are people out there who absolutely hate small talk 
which uh, I understand. But, you know, you kind of just got to take it with a grain of salt because not everybody is going to have the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. Or the right response that you're looking for. Or if you're looking for an answer to everything, just say 42, right? It's just going to it's going gonna, it's gonna to work <laughs> out every time. Right. But what what had made you actually join this podcast? If you're a man of few words, I don't think a person like that would want to join the podcast. Or are you getting second thoughts now? Are you going to just run out the building? It's like, okay, maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> maybe, maybe while the camera's rolling right now, I might just like sprint out of here. You never know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to try it because I've never actually done a public uh, broadcast or just like public speaking in general. I never actually really like got into it since, you know, like I've said before, I'm typically shy and not really the kind of person to really speak first unless I'm spoken to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, you know, ever since I became an adult, I kind of just like thought to myself, like, hmm, I should probably like open myself up to different opportunities maybe maybe try to like you know do things that my teenage self would have probably never done so here i am Mm -hmm. that's that's very very good i think and that's actually not the first time i've had people go out of their comfort zone because of me i've had that happen multiple times actually (laughs) like recently we had an event where there was one guy who doesn't really want to come like similar to you maybe go up to people and ask them to do a certain thing for a challenge and actually recorded a video of him doing it, although he was a bit under the influence, so that might have helped a bit. Uh, but he came back to me the next day saying like, hey, uh, that's actually really cool because I would not have done that normally if he was sober. Uh, but this challenge kind of pushed him over the edge. But haven't you had in, um, like for me, I got a lot of public speaking or you want to call it, speaking in front of an audience from doing presentations in school because we just got fucking um, bombarded with exercises and group assignments where you have to present something in front of class. Is that not something that you have had experience with or what would you do in that situation where you do have to, you know, give a presentation with a group? Um. Well, first things first, like usually whenever the teacher is like calling me over, come and do a presentation uh i always feel like this huge surge of just like nervousness and just like everything it's like like everything could go wrong any single moment and i just like i freak out but i i literally take that energy and try to like you know fuse it into myself into more like enthusiasm and try to like actually take that step to go up there and actually present and usually when i do um I actually surprised myself more times than I ever thought I would actually giving a public speech. And then as that's going on, all that, all that negative feeling kind of just like empties out. And I just like feel super refreshed after that. So it feels good, but you know, just the, the, the idea of it alone, just like makes me extremely anxious, which is why I'm usually afraid to do it. But I know that I can, I just need like a push whether that be from either myself or a friend, mm-hmm. I can help me do that. Yeah, I've had a similar experience where, yeah, it's the dread going on to the, like actually going on stage. But once you're there, 
you're doing the thing that you rehearsed or you're talking about a topic that you know about, then it's all fine. Especially afterwards, it's like, ah, oh, thank God it's over. And you get a little round of applause or whatever. And then uh, you felt good doing it. And yeah, for us, or like the people that I went to um, college with, because we were doing this so many times, everyone was just like completely comfortable with doing presentations and that sort of stuff. Uh, Mirax, do you have something similar or like what would you do in a, pre in a case where you had to present or like in a group setting you had to present your part in, uh, in school or college? Well, again, my school time pretty much split into two versions of myself in terms of shyness. If we go really at the start, uh, I loved doing it. I very much loved doing it and just had zero issues at all. But then um, when a bad part of school happened, uh, I was avoiding them as much as possible to the point of missing days at school on purpose if I knew it wasn't that day. And just really like, as much as I can, not doing them. Because every time that I had uh, past that point, it, it went wrong. Like, it absolutely went wrong. Um, so I became kind of like just completely fearful of them and just not wanting to do them ever again. So I just avoided them like, like the plague. Didn't that actually, you know, cause any issues during school, like certain grades or failing certain classes because of it? Not really, because I happen to be good at school. So usually um, what I would lose there, I'd be able to make up in my other uh, parts of French class. Since, yes, my native language is not English, it is French. Um, so I would just make it up there usually by getting enough that what I've lost from there does not matter as much. So you were the one that were doing other assignments better than just the public speaking one, the presentation one. What about, um, mm -hmm. what about you missing? What's your experience with public speaking or like giving presentations? I used to be like terrible at it all through was it middle school? I don't know. All throughout school. Uh, if I had to go up and present, I I would be terrified of it. Not not because well, I, yeah, no, it's just because I don't want to like go up and, and like speak to a lot of people and potentially embarrass myself. But I think at one point in high school I had a law presentation and I kind of procrastinated doing the presentation until like the night before. So I just did a bunch of Google searches, uh, wrote up a few slides in PowerPoint, walked up there, didn't rehearse anything. Uh, I just flipped through slides. I read them off and I kind of just like in my head came up with um, a presentation on the spot. I improvised it and it went over pretty well. And ever since that day, I was like, you know what? I've been overthinking it this whole time when I I could just like be BSing my presentations and it would it would go over the same. I'd still get a grade. Um so, you know, I I, I don't know. I used to have a problem with it and then I, I hit that one realization. I was like, you know what, I don't actually have to care that much, you know. It's everyone's everyone's got problems with public speaking, so they all probably understand that you're nervous as hell up there. So I, once once I had that, I was fine. Yeah, I've um, a similar thing where I'm the person that likes to plan a lot of things in advance and you know set things up. But with, when it comes to presentations, um, I'd actually rather wing it. I'd rather just have like a small top few topics that I wouldn't talk about. 
but how I'm going to present it and which kind of vibe, what, what I'm going to do in front of the audience, I'm going to walk, whatever. I don't prepare that. I just do that as like an improv session, basically. And I feel like that's more genuine because I've seen a lot of people present or like prepare their presentation so much that they want to talk uh, by the slides, like word for word. They want to have it perfect. But that's going to be very difficult and you're going to give away a vibe that is um, very ungenuine or like um, very staged. And that doesn't really fly that well with, um, with the audience. My idea is always to f at least find a way to make the audience laugh because if you made them laugh, then you're like golden and then you're in. You, you've, you've done it. And a lot of these people that try and practice everything in advance to the letter, they just do it in a way that's good but the audience is not really captivated or they think it's boring. So then it's just a boring presentation you have to sit through. It's like a meeting at work. It's like, okay, we just have to do a meeting. This is whatever. And no one's really going to like it. Um, but finally, when it's done, you haven't really actually caught up on any information. But if someone's actually improvising or like giving it a bit more energy, like making people laugh, it actually sticks more to uh, the audience, which is always... Um, I think that I advise people to do. So yeah, try not to uh, prepare too much, make it a bit more authentic, make it a bit more uh, loosely, and then try and make a joke or somewhere. Try and act something funny or fall on your face for all I care. I don't know, anything to, to make the people laugh really. And then you will have a, a good time. And people will remember your uh, presentation. I even had a thing where our teachers would... So normally there would be a limit of like minimum, like 10 minutes presentation or 15 minutes. For us specifically, because I did like a business IT major and business is a lot of bullshitting. Uh, so something you have experience with. So we could bullshit for, for hours if we wanted to. So instead of having a minimum requirement of time, we had a maximum requirement. And that would fuck me over because I could talk for hours and not, not fucking care. But, you know, we don't have that time in, in, you know, in the classes for everyone to do like an hour long pod or not a podcast. <laughs> everyone gets to do their own podcast in front of class, imagine. No, everyone gets to do their presentation. We have a set amount of time just because teachers have a set amount of time. Uh, and it actually makes us then have to summarize a bunch of these things to make it more uh, palatable for the people actually listening, for them to understand. So yeah, that is uh, this is my experience with uh, with public speaking. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? Mm. Just the last part, the, the like maximum time limit is pretty interesting. It's like a you need to take your information and actually condense it down, take the important parts, and then put it in a way that people can digest it, understand. That's 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 an interesting challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's even more helpful than having a minimum time limit because then you can just bullshit away through a lot of these uh, exercises which the teachers caught on at some point <laughs> so too bad oh well uh all right then going from public speaking to something else which is going to be our well this is going to be the final topic for personal introduction and afterwards i have some random fucking topics that we can discuss so next topic would be personal goals which is what are the things in like the short term like this year maybe like a new year's resolution what do you want to do or like a longer term like three to five years um what are some 
things you are looking forward to, some things you are trying to accomplish, what would that be? So starting again from, uh, actually, no, let's start with not this time. What are your personal goals? I never really sat down and, and thought about it too much, but hey, there I we know go. the most important thing I really want. <laughs> Getting out of your shell again. The... Well, now you are. Yeah. <laughs> the I know the uh, the most important thing that I really want to do is like actually like finish up college, get a job, move out, have my own space and everything to myself where I can like have my own rules, you know, just, just somewhere where I can like think peacefully. Mm-hmm. Um that does not mean that I want to get rid of my parents. I love them very much, but you know, having my own space would be really nice. That way I can do whatever I want, learn whatever I want. Not to say that they're slowing me down or anything like that. I just go to bed at any time you want. I need. Yes, I just need peace, just pure peace to myself. That would feel really nice. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'll keep in contact with them. Uh, I hope I hope um, people who live on their own still do that. Uh, <laughs> please don't forget about your parents. Um, that's honestly like as much as I can that I can think of at the moment. I need to like actually sit down and like come to terms with myself about what I truly, truly want to do. <laughs> yeah, well, if if you're still not um, finished with school or not moved out of your parents' house, like that's a very good um, step up in life, or like a like an adulting kind of thing. You know, you're starting to become an adult and actually live on your own, know how to make your own decisions, have your own responsibilities, pay the bills, those kind of things. And well, for me, that used to be a, a like a very good, like, like the almost the best decision of my life is like moving out of my parents' place because you introduce yourself to so many more responsibilities, things you have to deal with, which normally you just you know ask your parents or uh, ask your friends. Now you have to do all these kind of things yourself, and it really grows mm-hmm. your character, I believe. So yeah, that's a very very good thing to um, to look forward to. And then, yeah, after that, uh, it's going to be difficult what, what kind of thing you want to do um, in your life or like in a career or if you want to start a family, those kind of things. It's it's good to have like a, the next step um, to go towards that. And then after that, you can, you can think about those kind of things. All right. So, Mirax, what's your personal goal? Hmm. I never really thought about it either, but mine would definitely be a similar, but in a bigger contrast to Nod. As in, one of my main things also would be moving out, but I do want to cut contact with my mother, though, because she's really not a good person whatsoever and has caused me many issues in my life. Can relate. Uh, mental issues, which I actually do want to resolve, um, or at least get to know better and have better understanding of myself, uh, as one of the goals I would be. He also um, a thing. Is there isn't many things. Is when I all have moved out, I'll just learn how to live elsewhere, like not with my mom, and probably just then wing it from there. See what life uh, does what life throws at me and react from there. But otherwise, a general goal I would have, which 
completely unrelated, sort of, but also uh, is related to just goals. Just get better at rhythm games constantly. <laughs> wow. Uh... I mean, it's funny to be called, like, inhuman, because you're so good, and people that don't know rhythm games or whatever are just looking at you and saying, like, you're not human. Like, how are you doing this? This is this is who are you? It's it it's say funny, but yet nice feeling of having people just being so impressed by your skills that you yourself find is very normal. Well, people would actually be more impressed if you got very good at rhythm games compared to some other people. Not trying to sound racist, but like Asian people, which are known <laughs> for being very good at these kind of video games as well. Uh, yeah, and then as a white person, if you actually can be as good as them, that that would be pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, but it is a known thing that some people are able to reach that level of skills, like be on what we call Asian level of um, just playing. It is a thing that has been known to like some people are able to do. It is definitely rarer, but I wonder if it's more just we don't have as much possibility in the skill or just. Uh, the number of people having interest towards those being just lower over, like, in America, and then it is in Asia. Which I would believe that's the reason that they're more known for it is the interest there and the amount of like just people doing it there is so high that there's going to be more people who are good at it compared to here, where it is lower. Mm-hmm. It's it's extremely funny that you mentioned this. Actually, I was just talking to somebody right before I joined here about exactly this thing about Asians, you know, the Asian skill oh. in in <laughs> in rhythm games, uh, and we we deduced that it might actually be like a cultural thing because over in highly competitive uh, countries like that, you have people pushing to be the best at everything, and that kind of like mentality permeates through everything you do so if you pick up a cool hobby like playing a rhythm game then you're gonna want to also be the best that you can be at that rhythm game um it's it's like a i don't know like a cultural thing um oh yeah i, I definitely believe but that. i wouldn't I, I wouldn't even really well okay i would I want to say like, oh, it's not an Asian thing because I've seen Indians do it, but like India is also a part of Asia, so maybe it is just an Asian thing. Yeah, it could be. I don't well, know. well, so if you look at um, this, is an interesting point because if you look at school grades and you would actually, you know, group them by race or like culture or whatever you want to call it, uh, Asian people usually do better in school than most other races. And this has to do, like you said, mostly with culture, or at least that's what I believe, where in their, uh, in their family, their parents will try and push their kid to really go and get good grades. So it's like, if you get like a B, then it's like a bad grade if you're in an Asian family. So you're always trying to strive for like an A or an A plus or whatever. And that sort of thing is like a cultural thing because it, it happens just if you look at race, it's predominantly Asian people that score better, that try and achieve that kind of um, a position in education. Uh, and maybe also not just education, like you said, also rhythm games or anything in life, really. They try and really pursue the top the top score, I guess. So yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. Well, I can't really say, say too much considering I'm not much of a rhythm gamer myself. Uh, <laughs> 
So I I I technically kind of void this entirely, pretty much. But um, I don't I don't really know actually. <laughs> I I I literally I literally have no idea. I I I'm sorry if I can't really answer this, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's 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 really that's really it. <laughs> Did you have some Asian friends in your class or whatever that are like very much striving to be? like the best like doing also better than uh, most other people um no no they're <laughs> just like they're just like everybody else in my class we all just want to pass and get out move on that's it <laughs> end of story <laughs> okay yeah that that might be a more modern asian approach to things where that kind of cultural thing from the family kind of gets died down or you get influenced by you know your peers where yeah, just pass the the pass the class, and then you'll be good. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. What about you, Merix? Uh, we didn't really have any very much Asian in nature person. We mostly like had like maybe one Asian parent, or like it was far off. So we'd... so no one really stood out in that way. Um, but always. Going back to gaming stuff, or just games in general, um, I've had someone which is um, which I myself at at the start saw as like this person is inhuman. Like what they're doing is just insane. It is crazy, and they've been playing it for a good amount of years. Like I recall, they have said like five to six years, if not more than that. And I had started myself, sort of as like a little. I'm I'm gonna reach that. I'm gonna be better than that. Or I'm like I'm gonna be able to compete with this person. And within a year of doing that nearly on a daily basis, I reach a level very close to theirs. Um and they are of Asian origins, um India, but still Asian. Um and it, so it also just depends on time and effort. When I started, I was horrible. I was absolutely horrible. Like it was, it was in, it was unbelievable how bad I was. It was crazy. But I just powered through it and put the time and effort. And I have reached a very good level. So I don't really think it's... That, it is a cultural thing of why it's more pre- predominant in uh, the Asian race, for sure. But I'd say anyone can really do it if they put the time and effort into it. It's just yeah, Asians yeah. are more pushed towards it. Yeah, exactly. So it becomes more of um, a dedication thing that is learned through culture, not mm-hmm. so much that they have like a natural talent for these kind of things or learning anything. Uh, because the rhythm game gene. The, yeah. <laughs> the rhythm game gene, yeah. It's natural in their DNA. Ta- yeah. yeah, natural talent is a thing, but I think people put too much uh, thought into to like, you have to be have a talent for it. It has to be a natural talent. If If I start and I'm not good, I'm never going to be good, which is Again, completely wrong as I mindset. myself started horrible. Yeah, it's a mindset to break. Like, it's not because you're bad at the start that you're never going to make it. If you persevere and continue, um, at some point you'll break that not being good and you'll just click and then they'll just go on from there, no matter what it is. If you just put the proper effort into it and persevere through the hard start, even if you think you're absolutely horrible, you're going to become good. You're going to reach like an acceptable level and levels that some people like look up to and they're like this person's amazing yeah but a, a lot of people 
that look at that, especially from the outside, will not see the amount of effort mm-hmm. that someone put into that skill. So for them, it's like foreign mm-hmm. or they try and, you know, it's like, oh, this guy just has like rhythm game DNA in himself or whatever, or he got sponsored or something. But people don't really look at the actual time it takes background to, to, it. to really learn that skill. Yeah. But it goes for a lot of things in life. Um, even if you go to things like... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like streamers drawing or, sports or sport yeah anything can, can be anything really a lot of people just say oh it's just because they're asian or or just because they uh happen to be good at it it's a natural gift it's like no like a lot of these people just put in that the is hours. more rare that is more rare than people make it out to be of the natural talent they're gifted it, people think that's much more common than it is when it's really just more dedication and effort most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of uh, dedication, um, a lot of people have been dedicated nowadays. So this is completely topic changed. <laughs> what a subway. Uh, su- subway. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> subway is good. Oh, by the way, we're now. sponsored by Subway now. <laughs> I am looking for sponsors, guys. I'm looking no, for sponsors now. <laughs> no. no, so it's a segue into... Um, a different thing with people with a lot of uh, dedication, perseverance is people that are working on uh, artificial intelligence. Yes, sorry to ring it up again, missing, but this guy is one of the topics I got here. <laughs> so um, we've actually seen, so since the last time we've had the podcast, um, a lot of public debate has been going on about uh, AI and has been growing quite a bit. And some of the ideas I had actually with some friends on AI, like trying to make um like a fake streamer or like a fake personality that you could put on like a podcast and then i have like oh today i'm interviewing uh i don't know like joe biden he's sitting right there and you just have someone in the joe biden avatar you use an ai to mimic his voice you have like a script of things he could say and you can have an interview with just any random person like even like a dead person like from the past uh so today i were Reliving uh, Michael Jackson's experiences. We're going to bring him back to the dead in AI form on this couch today. We have it on the podcast. Like you could have those kind of things, um, uh, which is an interesting thing, like AI streamers. But of course, we have um, a bit more uh, basic things like ChatGPT and now also Microsoft having well, a large stake in it and actually integrating it into things like Bing, their search engine. And we have already been seeing the thing we've seen in the past with Microsoft um, going back to their Tay AI, I think it was called, which after oh, a couple of weeks, boy. it was turning very racist. And we are now seeing the same thing with ChatGPT. Um, so what is your guys' opinion on that? What do you think is causing this? Why is AI always turning racist after a certain amount of time? I mean, an AI can only, I'm trying to think like how to, how to take the huge topic of machine learning. Hey, it's like a presentation. Like, <laughs> AI can only learn from, ah, yeah. oh, fun. AI can only learn from what's in its training data. And what, what they train ChatGPT on is uh, what, what they say is a large chunk of the internet. And they don't want to specify what for, uh, I don't know, privacy or because they don't want people to know that they put a lot of 4chan into it. 
Um, oh my god! But it was a large chunk of the internet, and they, I guess, because it was so big, they didn't sift through it and filter out what this and that and whatever. Um, and the inherent problem for that is these neural networks grow so large that uh, you can't like get one person to look through the whole network and figure out what it does. Um, so it kind of just becomes like a black box after you get to the, a certain point. So you feed in a ch- huge chunk of data. That data has racism in it. There's a good chance it's going to spit out something racist. Um, and and the people, the engineers working on it, they're going to have to work like around the clock to study the entire neural network to figure out, okay, where is this? Where is this in the training data? Where is it being output? How do we intercept this? How do we stop it? Whatever. But but really, like like if you put in racism on the training data, it's eventually going to come out at some point. Well, I think part of it has also to do with the fact that there are um, people giving feedback on the AI, saying if an answer is correct or if it's bad. And yeah, if you let that run loose in the public, then there are going to be people that are going to abuse that system to make it, you know, make it racist or make it say things it shouldn't be saying. So yeah, there's always this this public I feel aspect. Like they're I feel like their feedback system is somewhat moderated, though. But if it isn't, hope it is. Would kind of be hilarious because if you if you let people freely just say like, you know, oh, this is a good answer. Yeah, these instructions on how to make meth. Mm, yeah, oh, muriatic acid. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then they write that up, and then it gets fed into the training data automatically. That is a bad idea. They shouldn't be doing that. Um, but if they are, that's hilarious. That that might be why. I don't know. Well, it's like if they would have like a math problem and you say just one, one plus one and the AI says, okay, one plus one is two. And you say, no, 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 that, that's actually, that's wrong. It's it's three and a half. <laughs> it's three and a half now. You, you need to adjust. This is, this is wrong. If enough people would do that and correct it and it goes through the cracks of like moderation, then yeah, it's just going to say, oh yeah, one plus one is three, two and a half, three and a half, whatever. It doesn't matter. It can just be anything. So, yeah, especially math and science-related things, uh, this is going to be a problem if they have, like, user feedback on those kind of things, trying to correct it uh, in that kind of way. Yeah, there's actually a thing what um, Microsoft has done to try and combat this is to limit the amount of replies it can do in a in a conversation to five. So... Usually people will try and communicate and ask so many follow-up questions that eventually the AI will say something that it's, you know, not supposed to say or something that is racist or could be interpreted as such. Uh, So that is a way currently that they are trying to, you know, lessen the amount of uh, abuse on this kind of uh, AI chatbot. But uh, as time has shown in the past, I feel like, this is bound to happen. Like it's just going to turn racist at some point. People are going to abuse the system because it's public. It's just it's just nature. It's just how humans work, or at least that's that's what I think. Uh, what's your opinion on this, um, Mirax? <clears throat> well, you two pretty much covered it mostly. There's not much to add to that. It very much depends on what's the training data that was it was given to you, and then after that, if they let. Uh, the public affected in some way or not. Either, either it uses what it's what it, people talking with are saying as it's oh, to add to the training or just letting people affected with feedback or stuff. 
And if you let any form of public uh, way of affecting it, uh, the internet loves chaos. A good portion of the internet loves chaos and just also you trouble. love chaos. So, a lot. <laughs> yes, I yes, I am an advocate for chaos. I do love chaos. Um, Don't give me Erickson. But there, like if yes. <laughs> If you let people just have access to effect uh, something like that openly, it's bound to happen because people just love messing with things. Um, there's many examples of that over the internet. If you let if you let the internet be able to do its thing, it will. It will not turn out good. That's just how the internet is. Major part of that is 4chan, but also people in general because um, the internet is mostly anonymous. So... Why Why not just mess with things? How could it know it's me? How could it know the source? Most of the time, people cannot. Um, so yeah, there's not much more to add to that. Because like you said, you both pretty much covered it depending on like uh, how public it is to affect it and just what it was trained on. Mm-hmm. All right. And Nod, do you have anything to add to that? I'm or pretty much in it? the same boat as Myro. Like I agree with like you two and like everything you guys said. You pretty much just like hit 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 the mark <laughs> on like pretty much everything. And me being like super like non tech savvy and all, but yeah, what if somebody really is just like is just like there, just like cracked open a book with like every single stereotype and swear word and just like every racist <laughs> term yeah. and just like started like spitting it out to the AI? It's like okay, yeah, sure, man. Yep, and there's probably and someone there. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, and the AI is just like calling you the most foul thing you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. If I recall, that's exactly what happened with Tay back then, because it was um, train learning and fitting itself of what p- people would like give it and use to talk with it. So that's exactly, if I recall, that's exactly what <laughs> happened. We just feed off what people would say to it, to then people would say to others, then people would just corrupt it. And then suddenly Tay joined the Third Reich and, you know, started doing Nazi salutes and whatever, spreading swastikas <laughs> everywhere. And then, yeah, that's kind of what happens. But this brings up an interesting point. So you're talking about chaos, but that's actually something that you are known for, Mirax, is causing chaos mm-hmm. in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Could you expand a bit more on that? Uh, what do you mean by expand more on that? Like, what do, what kind of things do you like to cause chaos in? Like, I know, for example, one of the things is mm. just video games in general, trying to stress test things and break things mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. find the limits. That's I wouldn't call that part chaos and more just um, well. extreme stubbornness coupled with curiosity. Um, <clears throat> but... I'm going to go on that, but if we go on one of the terms of chaos is, as again, on the internet, it's mostly anonymous. Uh, you can't really know who's behind the avatar, who's behind the text, who's behind anything. You can't really know. So you can't really get to them and punish them for what they've done most of the time. Um, and at times, it is just fun to just mess with people a bit. Just do, do little things that just affects people, but like not necessarily in a very bad way. But it makes them react because they got no spine. Um, it's just funny to mess with people and stuff. But then if we go about just the stress testing stuff and just trying to break things as much as possible, 
Uh, I think that's just me being, like being obsessed with how things work and trying to understand how they work. And that just go boils down into me and then trying to, while trying to understand how something works, I push it to its limit so much that it, like it breaks or I see something and then I'm like, I feel like that is possible. So I'm just going to try it over and over and over until it works. And if I see an ounce of progress, that means it is possible or I can get much closer to it. So I'll just never stop because I'm very stubborn. So I'll always, most of the time, end up breaking things out of pure like stubbornness or just curiosity of like, what if I do this? What if that happens? Because it's always fun to try things out and see how things react, including people. Which is another reason of like chaos is to try, what if I do this towards this person? What if I do this thing? How, what will be the reaction? Because uh, the human mind is very interesting and in how it works with people in general. So it's always interesting to just test people and their reaction, kind of. And causing chaos is a nice way to see, uh, test how people react to things. But would you say that is then also describing things what like you're saying. trying to manipulate people or... Trying to do it in, Not a, exactly. in a good way or in a bad way, because chaos usually just means, you know, doing things Not in a bad chaos way. Chaos isn't necessarily bad. Well, that is arguable, is yeah, because such. the universe is like entirely made of chaos. Like, it's not very... Mm, technically, so, everything yeah. is chaotic in nature. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like, yeah. It's not, not really manipulation. It depends how you see it. And manipulation isn't always a bad thing either. It is oftenly is, and very more oftenly used in uh, bad ways. In like, um, I can't find the word, um, malicious ways. Most of our manipulation is used in that way, yes. But there is ways to be neutral or even good in the way you manipulate people. Um, even though I would not advise manipulating people in most ways. Um, at all, because it's not really a good thing. Well, I have a good but example. But it also depends, though. for that, it depends mostly the reason uh, of manipulation and the degrees of it and the consequences of it. Um, while it is not a thing that I advise doing, at time, it might be a bit necessary to manipulate someone to help themselves mm -hmm. or like do things good for someone or just neutral, just neutral things just to mess around. But what I'd say it never do is just bad manipulation, obviously. Uh, just malicious manipulation. It's not good. But, you know, manipulation is often seen as a bad thing. It isn't inherently bad. It's just how it is mostly used and portrayed. Um, so, yeah, like, in some way, it can be manipulation at times, yeah, but there's never really bad intent behind it. Mm -hmm. well, For my part. I have a follow up on that, but you wanted to say something missing. Mm-hmm. Or you had a thought. I was just gonna say to put it short, uh you do a little bit of trolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could say that. Yeah. That, much. Yeah. Well, uh I was gonna add to that that uh manipulation is also something that I do, but then like you said, in, in a good way. Mm -hmm. For example, we could take Nod mm -hmm. here which is usually the quiet one, but I'm pointing a camera at his face to try and make him talk in front of a podcast, <laughs> trying to push them out of their their shell, which I've been doing for for a lot of people, actually. And that will actually help people 
grow or you know get their get to know themselves better or grow their personality and you could see that as manipulation because you're manipulating the person in doing something that they normally wouldn't do um but the end result is actually something beneficial or at least i hope it is uh, i'm not sure uh, how do you feel about that uh nod i mean you, are you feeling you manipulated a little bit of dark <laughs> <laughs> uh honestly not, no not not exact not exactly because i uh okay well, uh, let me grab my gun a lot of this really <laughs> is my uh, no <laughs> a lot of this is really like my own my own doing and just like me just like trying to like tell my uh my inner self to kind of just like stand up a little, a little bit Cause I'm so used to kind of just like laying back and just like, you know, just, just watching, watching the, the fires just like rain down. That's, that's really, that's really it. I, uh, I just took a lot of that in personal, just like strength and just like used it to bring myself like right here in this spot. As we speak, I, uh, I gotta, I gotta make that push for myself. I can't really let uh, others really do it for me because I'll never, I'll never learn if I just don't like figure it out on my own first. Sure, friends can give you like a bump, but really and truly, you have to be the one to make that change. You have to be, you have to be the one to make that push. Yeah, you. Otherwise, you'll never get better. Yeah, you're the one that makes the decision. Yeah. Well, to. Which is actually, this brings up a, a fun topic, which I, I had in mind, but didn't actually wrote down. I talked with my friends about it at work uh, recently. Um, so what's the fine line then between trying to manipulate someone to do something um, or convincing them of a certain thing and then bullying? Well, what do you think that line would be? Couldn't you argue, so I'm playing devil's advocate, couldn't you argue that bullying in some way could also be seen as a positive thing, trying to push people a certain direction or like make them aware of a certain thing, a personality trait that might not be favorable in like a group of people or something? Honestly, hmm. How did I think about that? Um... <laughs> Makes you think, right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> where's the star bullying with, campaign let's with, fucking start it <laughs> <laughs> actually there's a website for that i mean with bullying with bullying yeah it does make like you know some some people like change in a good way it lets you know it helps them develop a stronger mindset but you can also say that like in the reverse where it actually it actually ruins people and just like makes their lives worse and they just like keep going downhill from there um, you could also say the exact same thing about manipulation, but I guess maybe it's just like you know how how you how personally you take it as a person. Do you take all? Do you take that roadblock and just like let it consume you, and just like let it halt you in place, or do you try to find a way to skip over it to just like keep keep progressing? Mm hmm. Merrick, do you want to say something? My personal experience with bullying hasn't really been a good thing, so I am biased towards saying bullying yeah, is absolutely fucking horrible. And usually, it's in a bad context. Yeah. Yes, <clears throat> and the line between manipulation and bullying 
they're very different things actually. Uh, even though they can overlap, definitely they're extremely different and separate things. Um, I'd say I do see the point of bullying being able to make some like some good in some people, but most of the time that will not be the case. As it is very morally and emotionally demanding, and uh, most of the time will break people if done in greater amounts. Um, while manipulation, um, the person doesn't necessarily know what's going on. Uh, manipulation is much more subtle, uh, so it won't affect the person morally or emotionally, really, un- unless they notice it or get known that they're being manipulated in a bad way. But if it's in a good way, it depends then how you take it of I've been manipulated, that's wrong, or oh, this person is make is making me do things that are good for myself. It really depends how you see it for that. Um I don't have any case of bullying being good while well, manipulation <laughs> I've seen quite a lot of times manipulation being uh good. Like using the <clears throat> using a good way. Well it, it it usually depends because bullying is usually it's used in a bad faith effort, you know, by people. But it can also be the person that's trying to help you or, you know, trying to make you change something is doing it in an incorrect way. Like he's trying to have a good intent of improving your character or your personality, but then failing horribly and actually being very mean and condescending and, you know, not doing it in the correct way. So that could also be the case. But yeah, I do agree that um, it very much depends on the person, the context, the intent of the person that is bullying and how the people that get bullied will receive it. Well, what's your opinion on this mm-hmm. missing? It's very, it's very varied, nuanced. Is nuanced the right word? It's like, I don't know, like, like bullying usually... The spectrum. It's done with ill intent. Uh, like you could, you could argue, yeah, <laughs> spectrum. The bull, I'm on the bullying spectrum. Um, <laughs> you could argue that, like, you know, this person's trying to bully you because they see a quality in you that they want to correct, and the only way they knew how to do that is to like harass you and make you feel like shit, so that you feel like inclined not to do that. Um, that could be possible, but that's kind of like a lazy way of of doing it. You know, there are ways to tell a person either like directly or indirectly that you shouldn't be doing this um but at that point like it falls out of it being bullying and goes more into like just general social pushback which is like a completely like normal thing you know the the reason why people don't act out in public is because you get a lot of social pushback from from your peers saying like hey that's that's weird don't do that um yeah. Uh, what else was it going to Oh, yeah. If you try to, like, bully someone to correct the behavior on them, it's the exact same thing as, like, a parent just taking a wooden spoon and, like, beating the shit out of their child because they, they just don't want to, like, properly discipline them. It's like, oh, I could put you on timeout. I could do this, do that, whatever. Or I could just take a spoon and just beat you whenever you do something wrong. And, and that never goes well. Well, um, there's a different word for that. It's called domestic abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Domestic child abuse, fun. Yeah, um, we're not promoting yeah, that, by the way. It's, it's like <laughs> that—that's like goes <laughs> no, way this off is, the spectrum. This is not endorsed in any way. Um, 
But yeah, and also like so you even saying like somebody's bullying you to try to like correct uh behavior uh that they see that's wrong in you. Um they could be completely wrong about that. Like like they see something wrong, but because they're it's something they personally don't like. It doesn't have to be wrong. Like imagine if you're two kids in, in junior school or whatever and some kid sees you eating pineapples on your pizza and they're gonna they just take you behind the school and beat the fuck out of you because of that. Like and they're like, Don't ever eat pineapple like there's nothing wrong with it's that. I think it's class. gross. That's just an opinion. <laughs> like uh, and that's just like a weird example. I've seen it for everything. What kind of show you like? What kind of what kind of things you the hobbies you do in your free time? Uh, like for for the people who who think oh I'm gonna correct you, like they have to have an idea of what's right and wrong, and a lot of the time they don't. It's it's just down mm-hmm. to like you have a differing opinion. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you up and and insult you now. Well, yeah, if a lot of bullying is being done by, um, you know, minors or like teenagers, they usually don't really have the moral compass. It's not that that developed at that age where they can make these kind of decisions or right and wrong, or at least I believe it's a bit, it's a bit flawed. It still needs some development when you're at that age. So probably not best to uh, have those kind of people make those kind of decisions. Every problem that you could solve with bullying, you could probably also solve equally better by diplomacy well, i don't really want to say manipulating people but yeah like manipulating people just just, just a little bit in, in like a good way <laughs> um you don't have to cause psychological trauma to someone that was the other thing i was going to mention bullying causes trauma and that sticks with you so like you might fix a problem but then you'll cause another problem and that mm-hmm. sticks with them for a long time so cool you fixed this thing but now you've got to fight to solve this this problem now so you're at a net well yeah, net zero or even like a net negative if the problem ends up being worse like the person develops social anxiety because they don't want to go outside because every time they do they get bullied stuff like that what would you just tell them you know having a social trauma is lame man you should not have that that's dumb be normal <laughs> bully them out of the social trauma man <laughs> maybe that's gonna help yeah there you go easy solution yeah <laughs> let's not let's not do that no i think we've gone on a bit um on like pretty pretty deep more philosophical topics i i got i got one topic that's going to be very very lighthearted um to maybe end the podcast with which is something that i actually um started doing recently which is um so i looked at my consumption my fuel consumption of my car and i usually go to the same gas station each time and this gas station has like the little program, a loyalty program, if you go to the same gas station multiple times. And then you get a bunch of these, you know, benefits or rewards or uh, discounts. Um, even though I've been against loyalty cards and loyalty programs for the longest time, because the fact that, you know, at every fucking supermarket, every fucking store, they ask, oh, you want this card? You want this loyalty card? It's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't fucking care. Like, I don't want to have a wallet filled with 20 different cards for each store you go to. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, I would rather them have to actually incorporate that discount from the get-go without having to sign up for a loyalty program. Um, but in this case, because I'm going there anyway, you know, might as well. The only problem is, 
uh, I couldn't like use my previous receipts <laughs> to actually put in uh, the points because I've spent like over, I think like 9,000 euros over like two to three years on gasoline alone. Um, I could have gotten quite a lot of rewards from that, but you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working towards that. But what's your guys' opinion on uh, things like loyalty cards? Like if you go to a store and they, they ask you like, hey, you want, you want this card at the store to get some discounts? What would you say? What's your opinion on it? Anyone, anyone who wants to talk. From, <laughs> from a consumer standpoint, I think I hate them. <laughs> like, if I were to, if I were to be running my own business, I'd probably set up a loyalty program, but I'd do it begrudgingly because I hate them. But they work. You know, you get customers to stick around who would rather go somewhere else. So it works in a business sense. But like, for example, Tim Hortons, every Canadian's least favorite coffee uh, franchise they recently started well, recently ish like last year i think there goes my uh, fucking sponsorship a... man <laughs> <laughs> oops oh well oh. um they have a loyalty program where if you buy eight coffees in a row or seven coffees in a row you get the eighth one free that's cool that's a free coffee every eight times so you go you, uh, people who go get their coffee once every day on their way to work or on their way home, you know, twice a week, they get like a free coffee. Uh, I pay a lot of attention to coffee prices because I buy a lot of coffee and I have to manage my money to make sure I don't go broke because I'm in college and money man and whatever. So I just noticed the price of coffee slowly increase the previous year that leading up to when they introduced that by exactly one eighth of a coffee. So by the oh, time damn. you buy eight coffees or, or seven coffees, you've already paid the amount for the free coffee. So it's a free coffee, only the people who are in the loyalty program get it for the same price that they would have. And the people who aren't are now paying one eighth of a coffee per coffee extra. So as as a consumer i hate them they're dumb they're stupid they they trick you into thinking you get free shit that you don't it's it's all it's all a lie it's all scam it's it's i hate tim hortons <laughs> <laughs> nice little rant there Canada's um, biggest tim hortons fan <laughs> but you still go there every time or or, or what do you go to tim hortons uh, I make my own coffee now. Actually, I buy, I buy these grinds and I just make them in my in my own little fancy coffee filter. All right, that's nice. Stick it up to the man, making my own coffee now, getting my own <laughs> loyalty program at home for yourself. <laughs> um, loyalty to my caffeine addiction. I know, right? I'm not really sure what what to think about them, but I do know. Like some something that is of like somewhat of a loyalty program that has like a both a positive and a negative. So last weekend there was like this resort hotel that I went to in Connecticut. Um, it has it has something it has something called momentum dollars, and you get that from like a special card. And the only way to gain momentum dollars with that card is to pretty much gamble. So if you're a person who likes to gamble, then the more you play, the more momentum dollars you get. And with those momentum dollars, you pretty much 
you can pretty much like void restaurant bills and gas money with those momentum dollars. So basically you can do your entire like trip over there for free as long as you play. Um which, you know, the, the negative is like, you know, if you gamble your life away, you're gonna lose all your money or whatever, whatever. But <laughs> if you don't if you have like money that you do that you can throw away and you do play, you generate those over time. So essentially that's there for like pretty much anybody. Of course, over the age of twenty one, they have a limit to who can who can uh, go and play. But yeah, essentially those momentum dollars are pretty much like a free pass if you generate enough over time over time you can just buy the most expensive things at that hotel and just like walk away scot-free without damaging your bank account really <laughs> but uh, i guess for the people who do not know that or do not want to gamble then uh you either you better like choose like the cheapest option or you better come in there with like a full stack of cash ready to pay up because um those bills are going to be pretty hefty <laughs> wait so you have to actually put in money and gamble to get these points or you get those points when you for example rent a room yeah it's like a it's like a you, you know you get those points as you gamble which is why i said it's kind of like a a positive and a negative because oh, positively you're generating like currency at a hotel to gain to gain like its own currency so you can like pretty much uh pay pay off everything for free as long as you have enough momentum dollars but negatively if you're a a, a pretty steep gambler you're losing all your money just to get that benefit what the fuck so ba so basically this hotel just made their own bitcoin yeah. their own crypto called momentum dollars <laughs> their, own, their own like, you know, those, like yeah. farm bill gems that you get yeah they obfuscate your actual money into these these tokens these coins yeah. like the idea the idea is kind of crazy but it works because like it does it does uh, help you avoid like a bill <laughs> yeah because like it, it, it avoids it avoids making you pay a hefty bill for something you actually do you absolutely do not have the cash on you right now to pay for because you spent it all gambling but the money will be there forever and ever forever and ever as long as you keep playing and generating that currency so you can just like go, uh, plan a trip to the weekend and just like you know come out of that weekend with like zero dollars loss as long as you didn't gamble of course oh man <laughs> What a system! Yeah, you're losing money to make money. You're losing money to make money. Basically, it's a rinse and repeat to make, like process. To make it's imaginary, a, it's a, like fake money. Yeah, that you can use. So basically, it's a gambler's. It's a. It's a. It's a gambler's paradise. <laughs> well, it's like a gambler's loyalty card in that case, right? The song by Julio. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh my god. Like the idea to me sounds like really crazy, but like for if you like, I guess you know if you if if you're somebody who just like doesn't really care and just like is willing to just like give up your cash just to generate that amount of money and you just like save up and save up and save up, you can just like get the best benefits over there at that hotel <laughs> for, for pretty much free. Oh my god, I feel like that should be like illegal. Like you're just getting people to gamble more 
Like they're already gambling. It's already bad. You need to already put disclaimers on this shit. And then you put a whole new system behind it once they actually do gamble. Man, this, oh, fucking God. What if you could gamble the momentum coins or whatever into some other thing that grants you some more special treatment, VIP access thing, limited edition, all the fall, all the fear of missing out. And then they could just like repeat it. They could just have a loyalty system of a loyalty system on top of one another to just get people to spend more money. Oh, fucking good. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know, but <laughs> you're, you're, I, I, I guess you know you, <laughs> you're at least getting some, some kind of reward, even though you're not exactly hitting the jackpot and actually gaining real money back. So yeah, it's a quote unquote benefit. It works, but uh, good lord, uh, you're say goodbye to your cash. <laughs> Well, I, I don't think you have that experience with loyalty cards missing or um, Mirax. So, <laughs> well, what's Not your opinion? Really, no. <clears throat> have any form of loyalty thing? Good I question. Participate in or have or a lot of like Nintendo gold points. I forgot that's even a thing so much I don't even care. I, I forgot like I am getting those <laughs> over time. So. Well, you no, know, I am. I, I am. I just passively and subconsciously never thinking about it. Like, oh, like I'm saving money on this because I've spent money, but like I, w- I would have spent the money anyway, so whatever. Um, and I don't have much experience with like loyalty things, really. Um, Except fucking just credit cards in general themselves having cash back. Of the more you use the credit card, you gain cash back on it. That's a point. When you've like spent like an equivalent of $25 of cash back, which I think it's like 0.1%, you need to spend like $2,500, then you get a free $25. Otherwise, I don't think I really do anything loyalty thing, and that one everyone does. So I don't have any experience with loyalty thing. I can't really say anything. Oh wait, yeah, true. Wait, Domino's, Domino's, pizza. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I remember a friend of mine that had um, like a like a uh, the, the maximum pizza. gold I'm card or whatever. Man. Oh yeah. <laughs> really, just, for, for me, it doesn't. It's just nice because I make a high enough amount of money that I don't care much how much I spend and. Benefits I get from it being like a free pizza every seventh pizza. Um, it's like the Tim Hortons. It is nice because I don't care like how much I spend on the hey, on they, the first pizza. It's like pizza I, recently. I don't know. <laughs> I never check. Um, because I don't care. Like I have enough money that like I don't care how much I pay. I'm getting a pizza. That's all I care about. And then hey, the seventh one I don't have to pay. That's neat. Um, so me, with the amount of money I make and not really being involved in much loyalty thing, I don't have much opinion on it. I find it nice, but definitely for people that are more like broke, don't have a job or make very low amount of money. If it really just ups the price to make the illusion of benefit, um, that's yeah, no. Really, it depends of the salary you have and how you see your own money, really. If it's like, if loyalty things are uh, beneficial, nice, or if they're just absolutely horrible. Well, that's the thing, right? So, 
So I personally earn quite a bit of money, so I never really cared for loyalty cards because I feel like more like poor people would like save up these stamps or these points for like even a, oh, you get a free uh, set of pans or like utensils mm-hmm. if you shop at the supermarket so many times. But I'm like, I don't fucking care. If I want utensils or anything like that, I'll just buy it like actual quality things instead of getting the free ones from the supermarket by spending the points. Um, so yeah, I never really got the the point of it. But yeah, if you go to the same place anyway so many times, you might as well use it because yeah, you might be getting scammed because the prices are slowly increasing because people are actually using the loyalty <laughs> program. But I do wonder what the... Um, because in, so both Domino's and Tim Hortons and both use like seven or eight after seven or eight pizza. Or yeah, seven, after seven, you get the eighth one for you, something like that. Or it's six, then seven. Oh. Uh, I don't remember the exact number. Yeah, I feel Dom- like they put the number at a Domino's is 60 points. Which, yeah, Domino's is 60 points, we which is 10 be, points uh, per purchase of the dollars or more. Yeah, it's either based on the revenue or it's like trying to get you to spend at least this amount to really feel like you've actually that's, that's what uh, I was returned gonna something. Bring up. Yeah, go ahead. Well, that and like, because uh, the other competitor for coffee is McDonald's. And for those uh, who aren't Canadian who don't know, we'll go to McDonald's um, for coffee. Tim Hortons what? a while back. Okay, so here's the funny thing, right? Tim Hortons used to have the best, or one of the best coffees in Canada. You just go and buy for like a dollar. Uh, they got bought by Burger King. And then they lost right. their coffee bean distributor and they get that got snatched up by McDonald's. So now McDonald's has some of the best coffee in Canada and Tim Hortons has dirt water. Um, so a lot of people will just go to McDonald's and pick up their coffee for a dollar over Tim Hortons. But if you have six out of seven coffees on your loyalty card, that drives a lot of people to think, oh, I could go to McDonald's or I could drive like one minute further to tim hortons and pick up tim hortons coffee that puts more revenue to tim hortons and with like 30 million canadians all a large chunk of which getting their coffee from tim hortons uh a good amount of people are going to be doing that they're going to be seeing oh i have i have some tim hortons loyalty points that i could get like a i'm one away from a free coffee so i'll just go to tim hortons that's a lot of money and it works that's the worst part um but uh, but McDonald's also is having a loyalty thing with their coffee, <laughs> at least here. Oh, at least I here. forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. McDonald's is the same, but McDonald's you collect the stickers. Yeah. You collect uh, the no, stickers also, and then you stick them like on punch. the little card, and then no, it's oh, punch. punch well, they're they're doing it yeah. all through the app now, though. It's all everything is digital now. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. But I, just remember I, I don't know how I forgot about that. I have like fifty McDonald's free coffee stickers in my wallet. Every time I go to McDonald's, I just hand one in, and I have not paid for coffee in years. I just people people buy coffees and they're like, "Do you want my stickers?" And I just collect them, and I have so many of them now. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot about that. Wait. So okay, so McDonald's is the same thing. Shit. Mm-hmm. My my whole analogy goes out the window. It's fucking everywhere. But then man. this is between <laughs> McDonald's and Tim Hortons. Then it's like, oh, you have seven stickers on McDonald's and like five on Tim Hortons. I guess I'm going to McDonald's. I don't know. 
or like, oh, I already have the Tim Hortons app. I'm not going to install the McDonald's app to get their loyalty program. I already have to. Uh, That Tim Hortons app is a can of worms. That's like the, that's like the, um, you know, new age equivalent of instead of having a physical card, you have to install a fucking app and then you have to make an account as well for, for the thing. Oh, and then yeah. that app like tracks your GPS and uh, literally yes, rep- yep. rats you back to fucking Tim Hortons <laughs> HQ whenever you enter McDonald's. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. They got sued over it, and the reparations for that of a class action lawsuit is you get a free coffee and a free donut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not even making that's not a joke. That's not a bit. That's actually wow. what you what get the fuck? if you file for that suit. Oh my god! What what a way ironic. Yeah, I noticed that as well with the gas station loyalty program, the app that I installed, first I had to make an account, then the account doesn't even work abroad. So because I'm on the fucking border, I, w- I registered with a Belgium account and I went oh. to the Netherlands and I was like, yo, bro, you cannot use the loyalty program in the Netherlands. Like, what the fuck you mean? It's like, you guys have gas stations every fucking where. Why shouldn't I be able to just go across the border and get those points there? But no, I guess that doesn't happen. I would have to make a separate account for that. And earn points there. Not that I care, because in Belgium, the gasoline is cheaper anyway, so I'm going to go there anyhow. Uh, but yeah, it does track your GPS, because you can actually... When you go to the gas station, you don't have to put in your card. You could put in... You can open the app, and the app does based on GPS. It knows, like, oh, you're at this gas station. Fill out your pump number. It's like, okay, pump number six. Okay, cool. Which payment method do you want to use? And, like, what's your refueling like your max refueling amount. And you can tap pay, and you can pay directly through the app to then uh, get gasoline from the pump instead of actually using the, the terminal itself. Uh, which that's pretty pretty interesting technology, but I don't really, it seems very complicated. Because what I just do, because I can only pay through credit card, which I'd rather not do, I just scanned the fucking QR code. So it's still your phone is just a glorified fucking pass, like a card. You scan the, the, the barcode, and then you, you fill in um, your, your payment information. You put in your card, your PIN, etc. So, yeah, I don't, don't really like the system. It's trying to do a lot of stuff like GPS, but I kind of wish I could just turn it off. But it doesn't really let you. It tries to force you to actually use that. Fucking dumb. Well, they need your data. It's interesting they, they give you like an app with like an illusion of, of convenience. Oh, you just sit in your car, you punch in some numbers, and you don't even have to walk. You don't even have to open the door, walk around to the pump, and use that. You Still can just the, sit in your car. and put the you gotta, Except you got to like walk around to the pump anyways to, to put the nozzle in. Exactly. Yeah, yep. um, the difference, though, is that they collect your GPS, your frequency, your analytic patterns of how, how many how much gas you take, how many times you, where you go, and this and that, and they just sell it off to advertisers and they make money off of that. Yeah, money. Money makes the world go around. Uh, you know what also goes around? Time. Around the clock. And speaking of time, I think uh. <laughs> we should be wrapping up the podcast because I think we've been going on for quite a while. I actually have to check. Um, mm-hmm. but I think we have a, a good conversation yeah exactly I think we had a good conversation mm-hmm. so um, some interesting topics that came along some tangents or whatever um, so before I uh, sign off with the podcast do you guys have any closing notes for 
the listeners, the viewers that are listening and watching to this. Uh, starting with... Do not invest in cryptocurrency. And don't buy a Tim Hortons oh, loyalty card. Oh. <laughs> yeah, don't go to Tim Hortons. Uh, and if you do, don't buy their coffee. Their donuts are good. That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and every podcast, we will try and murder one potential ad revenue or one sponsor. <laughs> I'm just going to have no sponsors <laughs> at the end of this. All right, Merix. Any closing thoughts, closing words? Um, Any sign off? Mm, not really, no. All right. Uh, not. Stay hydrated. Don't go a full day in <laughs> VR without eating something. <laughs> or else there's something seriously wrong with you. Yes. Good, good advice. Good advice. Good advice for the average VR shop. <laughs> <laughs> Take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> touch grass even better go outside you know go visit your family (laughs) at some point we've discussed this before experience Uh, nature fresh air yep yep (laughs) you know be human try and be real be real says says the people that are in VR chat (laughs) in virtual space (laughs) (laughs) well people in here feel more real than IRL at times yeah, because people might be you know, um, looking at their phone, <laughs> even if they're in real life. They're still trying to connect with the, the virtual world, regardless. Overlays are a thing. Well, not reality. <laughs> not it yet. might be like completely <laughs> fake. These are all just pixels projected on the screen over the internet. But uh, all the connections you make are the connections <laughs> you make to the people are real. Or mm-hmm. at least I hope uh, you guys aren't like AI, right? Right, right. You mean the internet connections? <laughs> the internet connections are real? <laughs> no. Maybe. My internet connection is only real 60% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it used uh, to be worse. Don't don't get Rogers internet. Any Canadians listening? <laughs> I, I had to switch off that shit. No, I, I, I think, I think <laughs> we can call it. Just don't go to Canada. Just don't go to Canada. There you go. I, I saved all, all the sponsors from Canada. I'm just going to get, you know, roasted Close anyhow. Not Quebec. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Especially. Uh, don't go there. All right. It's horrible here. All right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's enough for the closing words. So I'm going to say goodbye to the audience. Um, and then you guys do a sign-off after that. So... I'd like to thank everyone for listening and watching the podcast. If you like it, then please leave a a review or a comment or send me a DM or complain to your parents. I don't don't fucking know. Do whatever you want to do to get it (laughs) off your chest. Um, But with that, um, I would like to thank all our guests. So I'd like to thank Missing, Mirax, and Nod uh, for being on the podcast. And um, again, I'd like to thank the listeners. And I'll see you. Until next time, peace out. Goodbye.